Texas Southern knocks off Alcorn, and I've been waiting to get to this game. T.S., 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 you, 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 I thought you knew. It's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast, your number one. Daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked on podcast network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked on HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean it's time to end your journey it just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives, which you can see right there. I'm getting better at this every day now, guys. If I could go underhanded, I'd probably be real good at it. But anywho, for this is for my YouTube people who see me pointing and failing. I'm back at it, though. Today's episode is brought to you by College Football or our College Football Recruiting Sponsor, LinkedIn. In they're gonna help you find the candidates that you want to talk to faster. You can post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. Terms and conditions do apply. And I have been waiting to get to this game. I've been waiting since Saturday to talk about this game. Now, the reason I waited until Wednesday is because we had two major games, and they did deserve to take priority. The Jackson State game was our game of the week. Of course, we were going to open with that on Monday. Of course. South Carolina State versus North Carolina Central, the most important game in the HBCU landscape last week. Of course, we're going to have that be second. It just had to be the case. Now, what I could have done is I could have placed TSU talk at the end of Tuesday's episode, but that ain't right. This game was too monumental, at least for my alma mater, at least in my mind. This game was too big to play third, to be the last segment. No, this is going to be the first segment of the day. If you are a Texas Southern alum, if you are a prospective TSU student, a TSU student, right? Just a, a parent of a TSU student, please share this message. We got to make this go up, man. This is a major victory. So y'all got to make sure you share this video. If you're listening to it on audio, share the link. Let somebody know we got to run this up, Texas Southern. This one's for us, all right? Everybody else, uh, stay tuned in too, though. Because uh, this for all of us, but this is really for us. <laughs> <laughs> but, man, when I look at this game, this is big. And I said, as soon as the game was over, I said, a lot of people ain't going to talk about this. But this is a major win for this team. And I was right, unfortunately. I don't feel like I've heard a lot of people discuss it. You know, and, hey, it took me to Wednesday, four days later. So you might try to lump me in. But we're here now. And I'd be lying. I want to be completely transparent with you guys. I thought Alcorn would win this game. Was I shocked that TSU won? No. Was I surprised? Yeah. You know, I thought Alcorn would win this game. But I did think that TSU still had a chance at victory. And let me tell you, now that they have grabbed that victory, they ain't even grab it from the uh, jaws of defeat or whatever the cliche is. They just won. Like, they just beat this team. And let me tell you why this is a major victory. And it's a major victory for a couple of reasons. One, it sends out the message that you cannot sleep on them. Unfortunately, they don't have any more games. Well, they have one more game against Jackson State, which you would send out that message. And I've already said it. I think they're going to play Jackson State close. I really do. Um, I don't think they win, but I do think they play Jackson State really close. I could see this being an, an Alabama State-type game. 
for Jackson State where it was really close the whole game, right? And I'm not saying Alabama State should have won that game, but I'll say that they were in the game the whole time and closer than a lot of people thought, thought they would be. I think that could be the same thing with TSU. That's how I look at it, right? So it sends that message, but when you look at the team as a whole and just how they're constructed, right? Forget about who they've beat or any of those things. TSU has a good running game. I like their two running backs. Andrew Body can run the ball too. He didn't even need to pass. He didn't have 100 yards in this game. So they have the ability to run on you. They have powerful runners, right? I think it was uh, Howard. I can't remember if it was Howard or Owens. One of them had a real nice hit stick, man. They ran over this all-corn defender. It was crazy. You know, they, they've been promoting it because they, they're on like a homecoming tour where they're just spoiling people's homecomings. But it's been fun, and I enjoy their running game. I think they have really good running backs. They have good linemen to provide holes for these running backs, and the running backs know what to do when they get in the hole, right? So you look at that, and then on defense, they're very opportunistic. Just the, the ability to create turnovers has been so constant that you can't say it's the luck of the draw. You know, they know what they're doing. They have, they have a really good secondary. They have a really good secondary. They have 10 interceptions on the year. That puts them eighth in the FCS. That puts them at the top of the uh, SWAC tied with Southern. But they're top 10 in the FCS in interceptions this year. They've intercepted all but two opponents. And in, in those two games in which they did not get an interception, one of which they forced two uh, fumbles and recovered both of them. So they know how to cause turnovers. The highlight is the interceptions, but they can also create turnovers through fumbles as well. I think this defense is really nice. Another reason that it's a big time win is because, man, this cools down Coach McKinney's seat. About a month ago, the uh, Sports Illustrated put out an article about the FCS HBCU coaches on the hot seat. And when doing that list, I said Coach McKinney had the hottest seat of them all. I called him out for the lack of success over the first two years of his career. And how has he responded? He responded with two statement victories, one over Southern and one over Alcorn. When you put it like that, Texas Southern has knocked off two of the three best teams in the SWAC West. And the only way you don't agree with that is if you believe Texas Southern is one of the three best teams in the SWAC West. And I'll take that. These are statement victories. This is easily the best year in Clarence McKinney's TSU tenure. As a matter of fact, this is probably going to be the best year for TSU in a long time. Like, that's probably what it's going to end at, right? Because I, TSU was yearning for some success. I'm not going to say I, I lit the fire, but the fire has been lit in some way. I won't take credit for that, but it did happen. And when I look at TSU, I say, oh, we're on our way to having the best year in a long time. TSU has only won four games in a season once in the last decade. They're at three right now. They better win in homecoming. They better win, right? I'm excited. This game right here gives me even more excitement. I'm going to be in Houston. If you see me in Houston, show some love, man. You know what I mean? Like, show me some love. Tell me it's locked on HBCU. Who, look, look, it's homecoming, all right? So you might have to say it two times. But that being said, show me some love, man. You know what I'm saying? Maybe we can take a picture or something. I don't know. I, I'll be outside, so might as well. Um, but, yeah. Guys, they better win against Lincoln, California, right? Not the uh, CIAA team, but they better beat Lincoln. And then you look at the next three games, you're looking at Jackson State, Grambling, and Alabama A&M in that order. You could win one of those games and you hit five for the first time in a long time. 
All you have to do is win one of those games. You just got to beat Jackson State, Grambling, or Alabama A&M. And I could easily see them winning both of the last two games. That'll hit them at six victories. This is, for me, this is the second most hype going into a season that we've had since I started going to TSU. The first one was McKinney's first year. That was the Sauce U year. Um, there was a lot of social media, you know, just mo momentum going on. And it was hype for the unknown. This right here is the most belief I've had or I've seen, period. Not just me, but most belief we've seen in TSU going into a season. There's expectations. There's belief. There's, there's actually tangible proof, right? It's no more excitement about the unknown. You have a new coach. I wonder what will be. No, it's I wonder what Andrew Body looks like in the second year because it feels like he's going to heat up. There was actual expectations from people, and I think they hit them and maybe even are proceeding to exceed them. I think we could see a 500 season for TSU for the first time in a long time. I want to say they haven't had a, a winning record since 2000 or something like that. It feels wrong to say, but at the same time, it doesn't feel too off. Like, I feel like I've heard that. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's been a long time since they had a winning season or even a 500 season. And I think that's what we're on the way to. And the most beautiful part about it is this team is young. Andrew Body is a sophomore. You got two running backs who unless they transfer, are coming back next year. Your top three targets on this season are coming back next year. You look at the defensive side. Michael Atkins has turned into your best defensive lineman. He's been the most productive, leads the team in tackles for a loss, uh, leads the team in sacks. Guess what? He's a redshirt freshman. He'll be back next year. You got two cornerbacks in Isaiah Williams, or excuse me, Isaiah Hamilton and Perry Wells. They'll be back next year. The exciting part is that TSU has created so much momentum in the 2022 season. That, especially if they win the next two games or their last two games, you're looking at a team that could carry over a lot, and they should be one of the favorites in the SWAC West next year. This is this is exciting. It's not often that you create this type of momentum in a team and then feel like we're about to run it all the way back the next year. But that's exactly the position that TSU is in, and that's why I'm so excited excited. So if you see me at homecoming, show love. I'ma show love. You know what I mean? I'm man, these tigers got me excited. But going forward, we're gonna switch gears. I'm done talking about my TSU Tigers. I want to talk about a team that I don't feel like is getting enough credit at all. That's North Carolina AT. And Bayshaw Tootin needs to be talked about a lot more than he is. Before we get into that, however, I would love to tell you about LinkedIn. In addition to being our college football recruiting sponsor, LinkedIn is also just here for you, right? Let's look at it from the people who are unemployed. I know multiple people who get jobs from LinkedIn, multiple people. This is one of the best ways, especially in college. They always tell you about building your LinkedIn profile. Now, if people are getting hired from LinkedIn, that means people are hiring on LinkedIn. So let's go ahead and switch gears and talk about our business owners. You can talk to the people you want to talk to faster. Instead of just going and getting a collection of people, go to LinkedIn and find the people who actually fit with what you want to do. It's that simple. Go get the people who want to fit, who actually fit with what you want to do. Get the people who are properly qualified for your business, not just, oh, they got a degree. No, get the people who are qualified for what you want to do. And that's the best part about LinkedIn. In addition to having 800 million people on that service all the time, 40 million people come every single week. LinkedIn is the spot to be if you want to find people for your job especially with Black Friday and the holiday season coming up, go ahead and go to linkedin.com slash locked on college and post your job for free. Remember that terms and conditions do apply.
As we keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. And for your second listen, make sure you're checking out Locked on Sports today. They're going to give you the biggest news from around the nation and you're rarely going to hear the same voice twice. Go listen to my guy, Peter B. He's going to break down everything and bring on phenomenal hosts. I've been one of them a couple of times, so I toot my own little horn, you know what I mean? But yes, go check out Locked On Sports today. It's available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. And today's word of the day is spec. Ooh, excuse me, sepulcher. That's a long, that's a hard word right there, but it means tomb, right? I'm not going to use that, but I thought it was a, a, a good word. So I wanted to just put it out there, right? It doesn't fit in today's show, but sepulcher. That's a, ooh, that's a tough one, but I thought it was nice, right? Um, but anyway, I want to talk about Bayshaw Tootin and North Carolina A&T. Bayshaw Tootin and North Carolina A&T, I don't feel like they're getting enough praise to me. I really like what they're doing out there in Greensboro, but I don't feel like they're getting talked about enough. It's starting to bubble up a little bit more. We talked about our HBCU rankings on yesterday's podcast. They were number five. They're starting to get respect. You know, I even seen uh, somebody say they should be two or three. I mean, I, I, I agree. I mean, I think that they should be three. Oh, no, they were four on the list. Excuse me. No, hold on, let me think. They were five. I, I find it hard, man. They've been really, really good this year. And there's a couple of reasons I feel like they're not being talked about. Number one, they're not in the HBCU conference anymore. I can't even knock people for that. I understand. They're not playing as many HBCUs. They only played North Carolina Central this year. That's the only HBCU on their schedule. Oh, they play South Carolina State as well. My bad. Um, but those are the only two HBCUs on their schedule. So they're not playing as many. You could easily miss their games if you're not a North Carolina ANC fan. I get it. So I'm not even going to knock folks on that. But the second thing that I feel like people aren't going to show them love for is like, oh, they had a rough start to the season. I'm calling BS on that. I'm calling BS on North Carolina A&T having a, a rough start to the season, right? Because if they were in, I'm going to tell you the truth. This is my personal opinion. If North Carolina A&T was in the MEAC still, nobody would say they had a rough start to the season. I don't. I feel like for some reason they left the MEAC and now the benefit of the doubt was left with them. Like, oh, no, y'all, the benefit of the doubt stays in the MEAC. Y'all don't get that anymore. Let's, let's look at what they've done this year. They lost their first three games. Lost to North Carolina Central, North Dakota State, and Duke. Those are the first three games they played. They lost all three of those games. So they started off 0-3. They ain't lost since. They done rattled off four in a row. They're 4-3 now. They have a winning record. But the reason I'm calling BS is because what happened to they had a tough out-of-conference schedule. What happened to that? What happened to that? You played North Carolina Central, North Dakota State, and Duke. So you played the FBS or the FCS powerhouse. You played an FBS team and you lost to your rival. South Carolina State gets credit for having a tough out-of-conference schedule and they lost to North Carolina a and and FAMU. And people still say that. Interesting. Why does North Carolina a and not get that same benefit of the doubt? I've never heard somebody say they had, they had a tough out-of-conference schedule. Well, it looks like their tough out-of-conference schedule built some character. Yes, they lost to North Carolina Central, but I'm not trying to hear that. I get it. They lost to them. South Carolina State still gets that benefit of the doubt, and I understand why. I'm just saying, let's give it to A&T as well, man. Let's, let's, let's cut it out. So their record is not that bad. You know, people want to say they struggled at the beginning of the year. Let it go. Let it go. And let's focus on what Bayshaw Tootin has done. Because 
I'm going to just narrow it down to FCS HBC running backs. So I'm going to take Jada Byers, Emmanuel Wilson out of the conversation. It's Jarvie and Howard and Bayshaw too. That's what it is. That's who it is, you know, and rightfully so. But I see Howard get a lot of love. Why Tootin doesn't get it too? I don't know. Tootin is the model, consistent running back. This is not a comparison of him and Howard. It's saying that they should be treated as equals. I understand that Howard has big time games. He had a 299-yard game and a 199-yard game. However, Tootin hasn't had less than 100 yards since week two. Really since week one, depending on how you want to say it. Week one was the only week this year that he hasn't had 100 yards. Model of consistency. Every single week. And most weeks is above 120. And it's create. And not only is he doing this, it's leading to wins. And not only is he doing this, he's doing this against Duke, against North Dakota State, against South Carolina State. These are good teams. These are good teams that he's doing this against. Like, we can't just write this off. This is something that I feel like should get a little bit more talk. Why are we not discussing this? Bayshaw Tootin, I might make it my own mission. I might make it my mission to just, now, of course, if I make it my mission, his streak going to break. But overall, we just got to show love to that, man. And he has shown himself to not only be the heartbeat of North Carolina A&T's offense, he's shown himself to be a healthy heartbeat. You can win behind the legs of Bayshaw Tootin. You can win with him receiving the ball, too. I am a real big fan of Basial Tootin, and every time I've seen him, he's put on a show. And every time I see his, his clips on Twitter, he's putting on a show. I genuinely enjoy this. And in addition to Tootin, you also have J uh, Jalen Fowler at the quarterback position who took over after being a third-string quarterback. He came in in the South Carolina State game, and he hasn't relinquished that title since. Shout-out to him. Shout-out to him. But these two to me, should create more conversation about the Aggies. That's how I feel. Let me know, Aggie fans. Y'all come through. Y'all come through, so y'all probably here. Why the conversation isn't more? Do y'all know? Do y'all wonder the same things that I wonder? Because Jalen Fowler, since taking over, he has been very efficient. You pair that with the consistency of Tootin. Sounds like a pretty good quarterback running back tandem. That's, that's just how I look at it. Let's look at what Fowler's done. He's always been efficient. That's the one thing you can say. From the moment he stepped into the game, whatever the game was, he's been efficient. When he was playing uh, cleanup duty, he was efficient, right? So his number was 8 for 14 was the least that he ever had. You know, I think it was 11 for 14 in the other game. That's still not bad, right? That's I mean, I know that's not quite 60%, but you're the backup quarterback. Nobody's expecting you to come in and ball. But in that South Carolina State game, I saw him make some throws I was impressed with. I saw it. Now in the games afterwards, it took him one to get right. Right? That Brian game, he had to get right. But then after that, he played Edward Waters, and he played Robert Morris. And I understand those are two of the worst teams that he's going to play this year, but it looks like he's putting it together now. He's getting more attempts, but he's retaining the same efficiency. The reason I brought up the efficiency first without talking about these last two games is because I didn't want y'all to say, oh, he's playing bad teams. Well, when he's playing North Dakota State, he was playing Duke. We were playing South Carolina State. He was still efficient. Though it was in cleanup duty. Not that South Carolina State game. He was efficient in South Carolina State. That's not bad competition. We ain't writing that off here. That was a good competition that he made good throws against. And to my eyes, he impressed me with some of those big-time throws that he was able to make. I like Jalen Fowler. And the way he's played, he's retained the job. He will keep the job. I don't think he'll ever let it go this year unless something really big happens and he just starts to really struggle. 
They put it together. Jalen Fowler, Basha Tootin. These two are a really good tandem. And I think that's the reason we need to talk about North Carolina A&T even more. Going forward, though, as we wrap up the show, we're going to be talking about our SWAC basketball's preseason standings. And we're going to talk about just how they kind of shake up from last year's actual standings. But before I get into that, however, I want to talk about Sweat's block because we've all had that situation. I want to read to you guys a, a custom review from our friend Pamela. So Pamela would hide in the, in the office bathroom. She would go through and wipe her armpits because she didn't want anybody to see those sweat circles. That can be embarrassing. I get it 100%. Now, once she tried sweat block, no more running to the bathroom. She's just sitting in her office confident because she doesn't have to worry about that big insecurity anymore because of sweat block. That's who it is. Now, firefighters have gone on the Rachel Ray show and tried out a sweat block for themselves. Firefighters back it. Doctors back it. Pamela backs it. The mouth of the South backs it. Let's be real. It's time for you to back it. It's really just that simple. Go ahead and try sweat block. You can get it on Amazon, but I would suggest to you because we friends, I'm gonna give you inside information. I would suggest that you go to sweatblock.com and use the promo code locked on so you can get an extra 20% off. You get the same product, but for 20% less. Go ahead and use that promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. As we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, we're going to talk about these swag preseason standings in the basketball men's basketball division, right? So I'm going to list them off and I'm going to kind of talk about where they were from last year and some of the things that changed and some of the things that I've noticed. And then also, of course, we got to talk about the preseason offensive and defensive player of the year. So number one, of course, is the illustrious Texas Southern. We just, that's just what happens. You know what I'm saying? And, and number two is Alcorn. I think it just fits right. Sorry. You know what I mean? Go check out the Swag and Fool podcast. But Texas Southern over Alcorn, whether it's football, basketball, it just fits right. Um, <laughs> and then number three, you have Southern, another team that TSU's beat. Okay, but let's stop now. Um, number four, you have Prairie View. And there's a reason I had to stop there. But when it comes to basketball, we, we got y'all. Anyway, this is not trash talk time. Let's start over. TSU at number one, Alcorn at number two, Southern at number three, Prairie View at four, FAMU five, Grambling, Jackson State, Bethune-Cookman, Alabama A&M, Alabama State, Arkansas Pine Bluff, and Mississippi Valley as we continue and finish that list. There was a couple of things that were interesting to me. There was a couple of things that I noticed that I felt were, they stood out. First off, the list is very similar. Like, they, I think they expect this to go very similar to how last year was. So I'm going to talk about the things that were a little bit different first. And one thing that jumped out to me is Jackson State is at number seven, which is exactly where they were. But the reason that jumped out and we're talking about things that were different is I expected that to change. And the fact that it didn't made it one to be my first talking point because they got Mo Williams. And Mo Williams left from Alabama State. Alabama State finished eighth last year. They have fallen to 10th on this preseason list. So that shows what losing Mo Williams does to you. But what does gaining Mo Williams do to you? See, we can sit here and we can talk about what well, Mo Williams is going to Jackson State. And the impact is going to be two ways. Alabama State is going to have to have a new coach. They're not going to have Mo Williams. So the impact of losing him is going to be felt on Alabama State. However, you also got to think about the impact of gaining Mo Williams on Jackson State. 
And it doesn't seem like that's going to go much. They finished seventh last year. They expected to finish seventh this year. They're still a middle of the pack team with or without Mo Williams. I thought that was kind of interesting. Then you look at Prairie View and that's the biggest change. PV finished ninth last year. Ain't no way that happening again, right? No way that's happening again. They moved from ninth last year to fifth this year. And that makes sense. Alabama A&M was fifth last year and they're moving to ninth or excuse me, Prairie View is moving to fourth. So they jumped up five spots. That makes sense. It's just hard for me to feel like Byron Smith is going to lead another near the bottom of the SWAC team. They've been too good for too long. I, I just don't believe that's him. You know, maybe you have to restock the, the, the roster or whatever, but it's just hard for me to believe that Prairie View is going to go back-to-back years being the ninth best team in the conference. You want to put it real, being the fourth worst team in the conference. That's just hard for me to believe. So I like this switch even if that's just a gut feeling and not even looking at who's on the roster and what, what they're returning and all of those things, right? I just don't believe that Southern is going to be that bad again. Now, the three teams that are above them is TSU, Alcorn, Southern. And those were the top three teams last year. The only difference is TSU is expected to win the conference this year in the regular season. They won the conference in the tournament, but they were second last year. Alcorn was first, and they lost in the championship game. Those two just kind of flipped and they kind of just went to what was the final standings where TSU was the champ, Alcorn was second, and then Southern was still the third best team. That's just kind of how they went, and I understand it. I think it makes sense. And, I mean, when you're returning the amount of players that they're returning, it makes sense. And they have the defensive player of the year, preseason. Not last year, but the preseason defensive player of the year in Jordan Carl Nicholas. And I see why they say that, because with Bryson Gresham going on to the G League, it's going to be time for Big Five to step up. It's going to be time for Jordan, Jordan Carl Nicholas to now be the main rim protector for the Tigers. So I understand why they think he could be the defensive player of the year. Then you look at Joe French from Bethune-Cookman, Bethune Cookman, and they're not ranked too high. They're eighth on this list, which is a step up from last year where they were 10th. But it's a step up. I mean, excuse me, but they're still eighth. They did get one first place vote. But for the most part, it's not high thoughts for them. But you look at French who is a really good scorer. He was the fourth leading scorer in the conference last year. So I understand why he could be the offensive player of the year. It should be very interesting to see how things shake out. But y'all know me. I love to look at how people think things are going to turn out before the season and then kind of revisit them later on as the season continues. But I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every single day. Man, I appreciate being part of your daily routine. Tomorrow, we're going to be talking about the ridiculously stacked weekend in HBCU football. Ain't no way it should be this many high-profile games all packed into one day. Woo! I'm excited for this. But for your second listen of the day, make sure you're checking out Locked On Sports today. All of the big news, all of the big stories from around the country all wrapped up with my good friend Peter B being the host of it all. In the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter, at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.